You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Morning, Joe. Good morning, Pat. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. So it's a well, it's the start of our winter here, isn't it, in the Southern Hemisphere, un- unofficially? It um, really feels like it. That front came through and is yeah, welcoming us all into its cold arms <laughs> for sure, for yeah. sure. So I think um, I think I looked at the uh, thermometer in the car yesterday and it was uh, five degrees. So you always know that you're. You're hitting the point in uh, the life of a lot of Victorians where you kind of you realize that this is you know we're going to have a few days days like this um, to to come. But obviously it's uh, you know days days like that. I think you kind of have to choose your uh, choose your own mentality, don't you? Because certainly we do a little bit here. Kind of have um, people get the sads a little bit. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> For sure, we get the gloom. We get yeah. the winter gloom. Um, Hundred percent, and yeah, you could really feel that yesterday around, um, yeah, that cold snap that just came. But there's something exciting about a cold snap. I feel like everyone's <laughs> weather is a funny thing to talk about mm. because it's so neutral, mm. so true, and everyone feels it. Uh, but there was for a long period there because Australia's had quite a warm but wet summer. Um, and everyone was going, where's winter? Well, maybe here it is. Here it is. So we're in it. I'm rugged up feeling like I slept really well last night. So I'm actually quite up and about. Yeah, no, I think winter does that, doesn't it? So it's, yeah, it's kind of you, uh, it's just the classic trade out. You don't have those kind of warm nights. So you're not kind of, um, tossing and turning at all, but equally it's, you know, you kind of get out of bed and it's certainly a little bit, uh, a little bit frosty. It is a little bit frosty in early mornings as, as Sergeant Joe likes to rise. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I am famous for it. <laughs> but he's been yeah. born in the cauldron of, um, Northern Canada. So this yeah. is nothing to you, no, mate. it's true. This I had the, I had the squadron. I had, I had the squadron marshaled, um, first light yesterday for, for the surf and uh it wasn't it wasn't warm yeah no, that wasn't was warm. sleety it was yeah it was. well you've made it here and today we're going through pros and cons and for anyone who's jumping on and wasn't here last week for the podcast um we were talking about different ideas around and threw out a theory around data being our vote or mm. leading the sort of democratic ship and different ways to engage off the back of that idea around more than just one vote around how actions speak louder than words how do we capture citizen action to be able to dictate where a country goes on a majority but basis exactly and using so that you know i think the the inspiration behind it is really looking at what happens here in australia where it's you hatch you have to vote so that's one that's interesting as an outsider outsider coming coming in you know it's um i've always struck by the fact that um you know it's it's basically everyone here goes and votes for for the most part which is which is terrific but it was kind of you know why that is yeah because you have you get get fined no you get a sausage yeah of course well there's (laughs) but it's isn't it well okay we'll we'll take a little side side sidetrack and then we'll come back to the main point but it's kind of the classic carrot and stick isn't it so that the stick is you're going to get i don't know whatever the fine is it's not that big but it's enough to kind of get your attention but then if you go you get a sausage so it's the you know it's the bunnings meets (laughs) i don't know victoria Police. <laughs> yeah it yeah. is it's that's where we meet and yeah. that's where we get pushed in the box so the idea of that 
conversation yesterday and the ideas that we're throwing out was sort of how to uh, break away from that. Obviously, if people really love that, I think we can find a moment when you can get a chance to get fined. Sure. And if you don't, you can get a sausage. Exactly, exactly. And kind of melding it a bit with almost like the sensor style of approach. But rather than us, I think kind of being on the back foot, trying to choose a politician that or a party that best represents our views, what if it was flipped? So what if we flip that and they had to actually respond to our views? So we had to, as a populace, set the template for what actually matters to us. So, you know, across the full gamut from climate to inclusion to economic policy etc so you know even if you think you know the probably the hardest things around that like things like economic policy so what would we set would we set that we wanted a more um, neutral kind of financial environment um, or would we want kind of higher interest rates um, broadly based on population i think that would get quite interesting in terms of that you'd have you know a lot of retirees going yeah i want the interest rate because i want my savings you know i want to i want to live off the the compound interest and you'd have a lot of people paying mortgages going don't want that but then you would have a lot of people who were actually trying to save for a house actually going yeah i probably want a higher interest rate and you'd have business going oh unsure depending on which side of the fence they sat so it's just it's kind of an interesting thought experiment isn't it there's certainly and i think what we're going to try to do today is um, yeah, I think we're in an optimistic mood, so maybe we'll do two pros, and, you know, and kind of discuss that, and maybe one con of of the idea. Yeah, for sure. I reckon that's the way it should land. And yeah, I like the way that you say that, and I think you give a really good picture around how that may play out, especially around a hot topic as such as inflation. But as you're saying that, it really flips it from. I don't know, you really feel the government as a service there and people standing there having to provide those credentials and ideas mm. versus trying to just hold a narrative throughout a, an election when they call it and look at uh, opportunity. Mm. In Australia, they look very much because it's skewed. It's not said at the moment on four-year term or three-year term. It can fall within a window. So everyone's trying to get the barometer of change and when to strike um, and yep. when to sort of be divisive essentially and yeah. be able to carve off enough of the population to yeah we live in a constant election don't we yeah we have a year to govern um so it's like you know that's the kind of the truism here i think is that it's a year to govern and the rest of the time it's an election campaign yeah it's just set up for the set up shop so we're really looking i suppose to lead into that that is a big pro for me hmm. is the model that we're suggesting and it's still loose but it is around sort of that census hybrid mm. where we're catching ap- actions of the populace and being able to actually put up where people sit and mm. what their what their agenda is as a collective and being able to do that i think breaks down that number one which is at the moment it's it's a constant sales pitch but it's a constant leadership sales pitch which then gets blended into a reality TV show. So I think that that is a real problem that we have right now and it would take a long time to change that. And whether it would, mm. I think there's a two-pronged here actually, yeah. whether it would change that or not is, is to be decided on when we actually action this and go live <laughs> across yeah. Australia. Yeah. Um, I would say that is, is one pro- with a possible con it's one thing that i maybe is a place where i'd really like to see change and i think that this offers a little bit of hope around being able to change that 
Yeah, so it gets us out of kind of popular politics. Popular politics. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't mind popular politics so much, but it's popular personal politics. It's when it becomes the personal. Less issues-based. Less, yeah. Like, and just the way that you're seeing it come through at the moment, it's just, it's got nothing centered on issues that are front. No, that's very, very true. And I think it's, you know, you make a really great point in that it what it would do is that it would force the conversation to be about issues. But then also probably one of the good things about politics is really about likability and wanting to follow a particular leader. So what it likely would do is that probably the quality of our leadership and perhaps their integrity and their want to actually be probably a little bit more, I don't know how to put it, um, real in terms of how they how they stand in front, front, it would probably become a little bit more like that and less about like comparisons and kind of scoring like gotcha moments you know between between two people like it, it at the moment it feels a bit like a dysfunctional family dinner you know like it's kind of like you've got you know you've got one uncle who hates the other uncle and you're kind of sitting there as the kid kind of experiencing these two play out stuff that is unresolved between them but it's like in little little moments you know it's like in this instance like where uncle scomo like slips and doesn't quite cut you know the turkey correctly uncle albo is over here straight in trying to tell him and vice versa when albo kind of forgets that it's what day of the week it is (laughs) (laughs) bang straight in yeah i think that's what what I find is also then it's a real barrier, isn't it, to to actually want to engage in it. It is a real barrier to want to engage in, and I think it it'll have that chance to change. Maybe both uncles are married, or they've got allies in there, and how those allies respond. Because I think the bit in that family dinner is you've got allies sitting there with the phone ready, with any moment they'll follow them to the toilet, trying to get <laughs> trying to get the snippet. <laughs> And as as a neutral party, you just want to progress this family dinner and possibly yeah. eat it and then <laughs> yeah. maybe figure out how to do it again into the future or maybe even feed someone outside the door. Like, yeah, it just so misses right. the point. Mm. And, and everyone's just so focused on the slip rather than the steps forward to create something better. Yeah, and I think true. that is where uh an idea like this and it obviously needs so many more iterations hmm. to actually stand on its legs but it's it's trying to shift that and i think anything that tries to shift away from that is a positive hmm. no it's it's true it's true and my my con kind of built i'm uh, sorry my pro build building on that was really around that i think it's almost like national service in a, in a way that it actually kind of would unite people so i think the there would be an onus on you as a citizen to actually be representative of actually what you you think so this thing that kind of we all have to participate in i think almost as a mark of kind of adulthood you know and this idea of kind of you know serving um country i think would in some ways be become much more um I guess ingrained in the way that we actually go about it. Because really, you know, for any citizen, I mean, anyone who kind of has ever studied any form of kind of political theory in democracy as a citizen, your number one job is to vote and to actually participate in the in the in the democracy that you're part of. 
Now we have all across, you know, leading what you'd say are leading democracies across the world or our style of democracy, which is broadly a parliamentary or a kind of a um, representative kind of style of um, Congress, etc. across the globe is that our participation rates in our own democracy are declining. Now, some of that is because, you know, um, in the US, there's a particular problem with people not being able to vote or making it harder for, for people to vote. And that's that's a huge issue. Um, but then there's also the populace themselves and places that are a little bit you know more inclusive like that even in my own country of Canada where people don't vote right they literally just like can't be bothered right and so but I think this would actually kind of you know and it would be interesting because I think it would skew younger right so that mark of becoming 18 or whatever the kind of the age of majority becomes and being able to actually input into the issues I think would always be this really nice counterweight to kind of what's actually actually going on and I think that's to me really interesting about this is that it's the counterweighting. I'm not sure you'd get too many things that were directional, right, in terms of kind of, um, unless we all agree, I think climate would be 100% directional. I think, you know, if people actually of all ages had an input, we, we all feel it. Really, the issue is actually it's the industrialized complex that sits behind energy that is, you know, a problem when it comes to rolling rolling this out. But I think we'd all sit there and be like, Yep, we're broadly aligned about building a greener future, getting emissions down, whatever that looks like, you know, would be policy decisions that politicians could put put forward. But on other things like economic um, policy, I think it would always be pretty benign, you know, in terms of where it actually actually sits. And I'm not sure you'd get direction, but I'm not sure that's really the point. I think the point is more is that the people have broadly gone. They don't want, you know, kind of um, like stimulus might be interesting. People might not want that or people might want more of it in certain areas. Mm, it's true. And then <laughs> so you're really saying that that chance for people to be- participate is a huge pro which it yeah well i think like it put the onus on us all yeah. yeah i think we would responsibility feel responsibility piece. and accountability yeah. for it so that i th- i would hope that you'd actually take time to think think yeah. through on kind of what matters to you i think you would grow up in a world where this would be spoken about you get into the rhythm of nationhood you know kind of like our beliefs in australia might be you know become about a fair go kind of you know kind of um happy lucky country etc but then also kind of home of you know kind of these 10 kind of overarching policies right rather than you know being enshrined in a constitution of inalienable right it might be that we actually have ability to input yeah and i think that ability to input is so important with something like this because we were talking about that trying to get away from that ballot box one moment to alleviate the fine that's coming in grab a sausage (laughs) i think it's so true and and further on that point i reckon people if they have feel a sense that they can help give a tiny bit more of a direction to a country or be able to i think it just would create a more a more equitable place and a more lively in terms of the directions that places can go, people can do, what you can do, mm. and how you interact with other people. Yep. It would be a big one. But yeah, it'd be, uh, it'd be amazing to see how it would shape a country and what, mm. whether it would be divisive, unit, whether it would be a unity piece. It would be amazing to see that unroll. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, like I, I do think that's that's really really interesting. Like to me, I think if it's everyone has to participate. Like now, voting, you know, doesn't it doesn't break apart people, but 
in my mind in this idea it's the that's the second step in the in the process and they're actually broadly not interlinked so there's kind of one you might get the ability to input every five years around kind of the direction of your country you know what's important to you and really important to you on these kind of big mm. policy issues that we're all grappling with but then the election cycle is separated from from that and i think that's kind of you know what we do already with a census but it's doing it in a way that is much more um directional rather than like i feel census is like looking back you know that's um <clears throat> always been a bugbear of mine is that like really for you know like a bureau of statistics like it's all it's all back looking and then that you still are in this prognosis of where it might head and you know you see through things like covid is this it's just like the growth projections like even just simple things like population so they didn't see that coming they project australia to hit 30 million people by um well two years from now, that's clearly not going to happen, um, you know, because this actually came through, but a lot of businesses would have gone, okay, we're planning for 30 mil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And say, sit at that, skew yeah. everything to that 30 mil. Yeah. But the real question is, is that how, how big as a country would you like to see us get and how, what, you know, how inclusive would you like that actually to be around kind of people moving here, et cetera. Cause there's, there is, there's arguments both ways. There's arguments for Australia to be small because of the nature of the continent we live in on in terms of population base. There's arguments for it to be much bigger because you can use kind of, you know, relevant technology, um, correct kind of resource extraction, et cetera, and build a very still a asset light on the land style of approach, but you could push the population here to 60 million easily so that's that's kind of one of the interesting dichotomies which would be great to be able to have that as a country proper rather than mm. hopefully would step away from that fear tactic that is often used in mm. elections since around the 2000s and it's had huge legacy here mm. and no one's really touched it with a 10-foot pole and we've had mm. people falling off boats being pushed off boats um, and horrible stuff around detention centres. So mm. it'd be good. I think it'd allow Australians to actually take a bit of ownership on that rather than ship it off to politicians making yep. that decision. Yeah. And, and but you might find Pat that uh, most yeah, people could, support it. Yeah. Well, that's what you could very much find. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that would be, I think, a better thing to know <laughs> true and true, yep. and then figure out ways how, if yep. you feel passionately, what is the forum to be able to put your piece to that in a constructive way um, and yep. hopefully you get a bit of respect around how people think, how they act and hopefully it builds that piece into that. Yeah, and you might get a bit like worst case, like if that is, um, you may get a sense of that what people are actually saying by saying that they support it is actually that they want it to be genuine refugees, you know, that meet a certain criteria. You'd probably get an insight into that, like it or not, but that would be likely the insight that you'd actually start to see over yeah. time. And on that point, mm. um, the next positive of this is I think actions speak louder than words mm. is what is our, becoming our slogan for this change. Yeah. And why I take it from what you were just saying then is I think what happens at the moment in politics, in life, mm. is there's a surface narrative that we all play in and that's what comes out of our mouths. Yeah. <laughs> And everyone feels like it's like two worlds exist. So you've got the mouthpiece and then you've got the arms and the legs piece. And what I mean by that is I think uh, especially it's so apparent in 
politics, you get this narrative that gets spurted out around election time, even throughout as they're building campaign or exiting campaign on what they're going to deliver, what they're going to promise. Yep. But then you've actually got the legs and arms piece. And whether that's getting delivered or not is a whole other thing. And so the reason why I say that with the when you bring up what type of immigrant, whether they're genuine refugees or whether it's money coming into the country, I think is a huge, a huge, huge thing in Australia. Australia's got quite a big um, policy and relies a lot on our GDP to be able to bring it up to standards that Australians who have lived here feel comfortable with and have relied upon for a very long time. And yep. COVID's really shown that. Yep. But we've had these divisive pieces of seeing people fall off boats and say close the borders. But mm. in actual fact, we've had hundreds and thousands of people coming here via plane, but they've just paid for their visa. Yeah, well, it's economic migration, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so I think a forum like that may be able to maybe level those two conversations that happen, the arms and the legs and the mouthpiece, and we might become a whole body. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, that's kind of leads really well into my second pro of this, which is that it's it's checks and balances. And what you're talking about there, like I would say that the, the kind of the arms and legs are really what you're talking about is government departments in terms of kind of who actually enact policy. So at the moment to be, um, and I think this is a huge issue for the civil service everywhere in the world, is that like you don't have agency, right? So it's kind of these people come in and they broadly change the policy every two or three years. And then you kind of help enact that in the public interest but you know full well that it's probably sometimes not it's in political interest it's not necessarily in the public interest and i think it would allow the civil service to actually separate itself away from the politics of the day so that there'll be a flavor of it but you would know going into those types of roles which i think would make it much more attractive for i mean young people don't really want to do it because they see they see that it's broadly pointless right in terms of actually how you can enact change yes you can go in and do things but it's within a confined space whereas this i think would give you real agency to be like no no no, hold on this is actually the direction that we said and you have a take on that that people have voted for that's probably the take but you would know within what aperture you're working within so over here we have a closed completely closed border everyone goes into the detention centers over here we have basically a free-for-all in the middle we probably have a blend of humanitarian intake plus kind of um, economic migration and that's what people have said they're comfortable with so you would know that working into the, into these spaces and i think it would make allow you to sit at the table with your um minister when they come in with much more agency around real fact and real information well that's where the conversation starts from rather than this hyperbole Correct. hopefully it would exactly. start from the bedrock yep. of this data collected from the populace where no one can really skew it obviously there's an art everyone does it around skewing it to their perspective that's sort of what we would hope government departments would do that's where the vote would land in the end is x's proposed w w's proposed x is probably the wrong way of using letter analogies to communicate something there um it's probably hitting the vanilla vanilla there but hopefully we get away from the vanilla vanilla but they'd be, they'd be like recipes, right? So to kind of use... Yeah, it would be, be sort of like, in a weird way, it would be moving it away from 
I don't know. It would be very much a pitch deck. There'd be pitch on innovation. There'd be pitch on new direction. So it would land very much. There'd be a lot of background around trying to get a sense of where people are sitting, which is people would argue that's where we're sitting right now is it's a bit of a pitch deck, but I would argue that it's based off something different. Well, it's based on opinion, not based on substance. And I think that's, that's the main thing that we're talking about. And, you know, like the, the main con I had, and we're only, we're going to limit ourselves today to one, (laughs) but we'll kind of, you know, we'll keep unpacking this maybe is that on air. Yeah. (laughs) Is that I think what it could set up is kind of, it's who controls the data, therefore controls the narrative, which you see in, in other areas. So are we really just creating a data set that almost actually ends up creating a prison yeah. that we as a populace can never get get out of right so the the thing about kind of um i do worry about the nature of human behavior which is that we'll tend to say at the barbecue we'll be a little bit more progressive than we would be kind of you know behind with our ballot piece of paper filling it in online you know we might be a little bit more myopic and self-serving but that is balanced with you know i am generally kind of optimistic i, I do think maybe the balance of not numbers might actually kind of um, pull that through but it's certainly it's a real con is that can we actually be trusted (laughs) can we be trusted pat as human beings to actually see beyond our own own interest Mm. yeah i think it's interrogate our own interest and what it actually is but yeah can we it's a very valid Valid gone and a big question mark unfortunately isn't it like it's yeah like that's like it's, it's i've been thinking a lot about like this but that. that's my primary worry yeah. is like can we and wouldn't someone come along and try yeah. try to game the system somehow 100 percent. people yeah. would be trying to game the system so yeah you'd have to build the system so constant it would be like spyware, you have to build it yeah. in, but like whether they're going to become the surveillance state, who I don't knows? Know, yeah. And that's my con is hmm. surveillance state and what that feels like to live in. And how does, if a, dom- if a dominant narrative gets up and everyone feels entitled that this is the right choice, how does the other perspective live or the other perspectives live yeah um because everyone feels so entitled that this is the right way yeah it's true um do you get to a totalitarian space where people Mm. feel so entitled that this is the right direction and it has momentum for say 10 plus years where do we land then well, it does feel like a bit like when I've been kind of thinking through, it's like in one way, it feels like the start of kind of like a really interesting kind of almost like new narrative of freedom. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like we used to have a constitution and kind of 10 inalienable rights. Now we get to kind of constantly participate in that. And the other side is that, you know, kind of I'll, I'll think about it. I'll be like, oh, this starts, it sounds like the start of a dystopian future novel with like a bl- it's kind of like a hybrid love child of 1984 meets kind of Dune. Right. And it's kind of the you know like two two legs kind of better than four meets this kind of this split tribes fighting over something that actually doesn't really exist and that's kind of what i worry about with with this is that you know because we're i don't know are we tribal like and this is maybe where we'll kind of have to unpack it next next week is that this tribalism is it it inherent in us that we would have to find tribe in in all of that maybe our tribe couldn't be neutral enough to kind of hold this hold this together and it would come back to our leaders i guess yeah yeah that's the one thing that's been freaking me out is i think that's true of any ideas around making something very 
utilitarian utopian is mm. that there's such a small step to make it dystopian. Well, communism, <laughs> socialism. Exactly. Yeah. It's very good on paper, but actioning it is a different kettle of fish because we are humans, we're complex, and if you don't say we're flawed by nature, I don't know what you've been looking at for the last yeah. <laughs> for however long you've but been. But is thinking. is that and I guess this is you know where we'll probably have to end for today, but is that is that more about like the checks and balances, right? So is it you know, because if you look, for example, like China. So if you look at China at the moment, it's obviously it's a it's a communist state. They would say that they're representatives of the people, and that's broadly you know true inside inside their system. But that said, they've also gone to this surveillance space where like my actions is almost like I get a happiness and kind of you know good citizen score Pretty based big on. Mac. Well, no, like, no, the opposite, the opposite. I can eat Big Macs if I'm a good person. If not, then I'm kind of locked out of the system. And it's kind of almost like a, I don't know, it's like a star rating on Airbnb gone horribly wrong, right? Because people can literally just star you down. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, I can't go into the store. I can't do this because people think I'm a bad customer or a bad citizen. But is this different in that they're separated? So you still vote. Even though if you disagree with the, the direction, you can still have different opinions come across. But what this sets is actually the aperture or the space that politicians can explore. So you could have, like you could have, and this is, but I think it would be more informed two ways. And this is what I keep kind of going around the houses on is that you would see a space where like so France, for example, you have very right wing kind of, and you see this all across Europe at the moment, this rise of kind of fascism versus kind of um, broadly kind of accepting democracy. And there's a lot of reasons why, but a lot of them are um, demographic based. That said, what starts to happen in, in that is that you would see a take on that. So you could have a right wing, like a classic right wing take, you could have a far right take, you could have a far left, a kind of leftist and a centrist take um, on this, this space. But as people, you would kind of know, right? You would kind of know that, right, so if we're gone far right, then that means that actually that this is, we're quite off piste from where we are as, as, as a country historically. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that piece that settles me that keeps going is that there is tech that can allow autonomous, like, yeah. no one knows where that data is coming from. If you can mm-hmm. build into that, where we were getting off last week yeah. around being able to encrypt that data mm-hmm. and have it open source so we know Everyone can see it. Everyone can see it, and it's transparent and built into that. I think is is a possible way forward to at least explore and try and calm some of those nerves around. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're up for it, I mean, I think that's what we have to do, kind of in the in the next episode to kind of wrap up our thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before like Asus comes and gets us or something. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't. They're there. Um, but if you if you take that and you kind of it, it's method right so kind of you know and this is a big question i have is that is method does it have to be enshrined in this so does method lead kind of um substance in in some ways in all of this so that is that the thing right because i mean i think that's a really good thing to unpack i think that's a great thing i uh, can already get a gut feeling on the answer to that but i think it would be a valuable thing to unpack around what method would add to this Mm. and give a sense of a picture from there yeah and And is there something that owns the data that's the that's what i'm kind of you know in that method yeah i think we have to look at is kind of in the method who owns it 
yeah i've got an answer to that but let's yeah let's unpack next week all right cool thanks pat cheers thank you for listening to bau business as unusual subscribe and learn more at baupod.co that's baupod.co